0: Good. Get your Bibles out with me this morning. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start this morning. I'm excited about this word. Uh, this is going to be, as of right now, a series. And I hope that you'll continue to come back and receive each week because I believe that every piece of what I'm about to give you will unlock something absolutely amazing in your life as you continue to walk each and every day. Not only just uh, walking as a believer, but actually doing what a believer should do. Can I get an Amen. From somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't say, help me, Jesus. All right. Well, keep looking. Amen. Uh, If you don't have it, look at your neighbor and go, how'd you find it so quick? I'll tell you how they found it. They went to the table of contents, which is not anti-Jesus, and said, okay, what page is that on? Amen. It's all right. You're going to make it. Amen. We're all going to make it together. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, reading from the New Living Translation this morning, it says this, we are pressed on every side by troubles. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Amen. That was five of y'all who just amen me right there. So I'm going to read it one more time. Because listen, you can't come out of worship and get that excited. And then God get to the word and y'all go quiet on me. So let me try reading this one more time. Maybe you'll understand what the word says about you in just a second. Let me, let me change the word from we to you. You are pressed on every side by troubles, but you are not crushed. You are perplexed, but not driven to despair. You are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. You get knocked down, but you are not destroyed. And we go, man, that's a word for me. Even if you're walking through something, you're like, man, I needed to hear that this morning. And even if you're not walking through something, that'll be a word you can hold on to when you do walk through something. And for those of you that don't walk through anything, you and I need to become friends because I haven't mastered that yet. But this is a scripture that should excite you on the inside. This is a scripture that should cause life on you on the inside. This is a scripture that should cause you to leap up and go, yes, that's a word for me. But what do you do when it's not happening? What do you do when you can't see it? What do you do when you read it and you want so desperately to believe in it in your situation, but it's not coming to pass? Because this is how our mind and I typically try to read things when we read the word. Because most people today read the word out of hope, not out of belief. Sound man turn me down just a little bit. We read our scriptures based out of hope and not belief. Belief says if it says it, that settles it. Hope says I hope it might come to pass one day. I don't live my life as a believer hoping that God will be God one day. I live my life as a believer knowing that God is faithful and he changes not. I I believe if the word says it, I believe it. You go, Pastor, you believe everything that's in that Bible? Let me help you with something. If I disbelieve anything in this scripture, then the whole thing has to be thrown away. Because if you take one piece out of the word, the whole word loses its power. It was written, divinely written by men. Out of an unction of the Holy Spirit, that comes from the Father. Hello, this is the written, living word of God. But let me show you how we tend to read the word sometimes in our walk because we're going through stuff. We translate that scripture to say this. We are pressed on every side by troubles and we are crushed. We are perplexed and are driven to despair. We are hunted down and feel abandoned by God. We get knocked down and are destroyed. God, please. I hope you show up one day. I hope you'll take me out of this problem. I hope, you'll, I hope one day you'll deliver me. I hope one day that the scripture that says that this is the day the Lord has made, I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it, that maybe this will really be that day. I know that you say you wave a banner of victory over me, but, but I, have, I don't see it yet. Let me, can I just say this to you? And this is not even in my notes. Can I just say this to you? Your victory does not lie in what God will do for you. It lies in what God has done for you. Stop waiting for God to do something brand new and just depend on what he's already done. It's enough. He conquered death, hell, and the grave on your behalf. What else do you need from him? If you would really live in the fullness of everything this word says about you, do you understand that nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, could harm you? You go, really? You want to know why we don't know that? Because we don't read the word anymore. We don't even believe the word anymore. We challenge the word because it causes conviction. Can I tell you something? Conviction is an indicator that you are not walking in the right direction. Conviction is an indicator of change. Not, not, not to bring pain into your life, but to bring change into your life. But people don't want to change. They want God to change. God says, I change. Whenever they ask, I'll do whatever they want. No, God already did that. He doesn't have to do it twice, baby. The creator of the universe did it once, and that was enough. But we keep asking God to do more because we would rather be in pain than walk in the promise because the promise requires work. The promise requires labor. The Bible says to know the ones you labor amongst, not the ones you complain with, not the ones you belly ache with, not the ones that you challenge God's Godhead with. But know the ones you labor amongst. Why? Because he's called us to work this thing out. I was having this conversation with my wife just last night. We were talking about how how the relationship with God. God says in his word. Jesus says in his word, come, come, come. You read it over and over. Jesus telling people to come, come, come. Why, Why won't he just come to me? That's how we live with God today. God, you come to me. I'll stay here in my mess. You come get me out of it. If you're really God, you'll come get me. And you wonder why you're still sinking in your muck. Because God says, no, when this relationship works, it's when you decide you're done with the muck and you come walk to me. You get your eyes focused on the prize and not on your current situation. And you believe what my word says and you walk in it. Why is it that we're so good at reading the word but struggle so hard with believing it? You want to know how I know that we struggle hard with believing it? Because if we would believe it, it would come to pass. But when we do not believe it, we keep searching for it to happen one day. I believe with everything in me that everything in that word shall come to pass in my life at some point in time. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. Not I hope, not I want it to, but I believe. But there are requirements on us as believers that cause that thing to come to fruition. You cannot just walk into the word as a sinner, unrepentant, not believing in God, and declare the promises of God to manifest in your life. There is some work that is required. You must repent of your sins. Can I get an amen from somebody? I know repentance is not taught in the church anymore. I know repentance is not a popular word because we want to live under grace, because we want to live under sin, and just hope that God will pardon us. Why is it that we want God to pardon us when we have a willingness to sin? But we go to God and we say, God, fix me, fix me, fix me while I keep screwing up, screwing up, screwing up. God, take me out of the pain and then I'll return back to the pain when I get strong enough. I'll return back to the struggle when I get strong enough thinking that now I'm strong enough to overcome it. And God says, no, when I deliver you, I don't deliver you for you to go back. I deliver you for you to stay out. Can I tell you why believers are going back to sin? Because they really don't believe, they just hope. They just hope that one thing will change one day. They just hope that one day one thing will be different one day. But when you believe, it becomes the core of your existence. It gets ingrained in your bones. It is who I am no matter what. And if I breathe my last breath, baby, I still believe. If the doctors give me a, a diagnosis that's unfavorable to my existence, I still believe. If my children go through hardships, I still believe. If my finances fall out, I still believe. No matter what takes place, if the doors of this church close, if everything falls apart, God... But I still believe. We must stop living our lives wanting to be convinced about what we believe and start living because we believe. There is a struggle in the church today that we are willing to believe or even choose to believe. It's like you preach something and go, I don't know if I believe that. Somebody said, "Me, I don't think that God really is that strict. Have you read your Bible? And I'm not talking about Old Testament, but I'm talking about New Testament. I'm going to give you some today that helps you see that God, God has a structure. He has a, a, a box. It says, here, live this way. Commit your ways to the Lord. Not your ways to the world and the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord. Did you know that God designed you for structure? Outside of structure is complete chaos. Anything contrary to the word is outside of his structure. I know this is so not popular teaching nobody wants to be told this anymore. Everybody wants to just live their life. That's the problem with the church today. Everybody's living their life and not living for God. No, no, no. And I mean that because church looks good, but Monday's a completely different animal. The ones that stood in the church, Oh God, we worship you are the ones that are cussing people out. They cut them off on the street. The ones that can't love God and love people. They just love themselves and love God on Sundays. And I'm not saying that's you in this room, but I'm saying there's a condition in the church that's becoming this where we really don't even know. Ask somebody next this week. Go to somebody and go, why do you believe in God? Did you know that most people can't even answer that question any longer? I asked somebody one day, I said, why do you tithe? Why do you give? Well, the Bible says do it. So now you're only doing it because it's in Scripture, not because you have a heart's desire out of right relationship with the Father to be a giver. Everything that we do in this walk is based out of relationship, not based out of commandments, not based out of hardships, but based out of relationship. I have a desire to give back to God because he's given so much to me. I have a desire to be a good son, not just a son. Amen. I have a desire to live righteously and holy before my God, not live a, a sideways life and then keep coming to him going, God, use me while my vessels crack from the bottom to the top. Why is it that's not important to us anymore? Why is God not that popular with our relationship? Why do we not want to change us, but we always try to change him? There is a struggle that's happening today. And let me say this to you. If my word says it, that's enough for me. Now, I hope you're on that same page, but I need you to understand. If this word says it, it's enough for me. And this is what I cling to and hold on to. I either believe the word or I don't. And I love this part. It says, and if the beginning of the beginning, if in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. That means the word and God do not separate. That means if you have a problem believing the word, you have a problem believing God. And if you have a problem believing in the word, you have a problem believing in God. No, I believe in God. Do you believe his word? Well, I have some. Then you don't believe in God. Pastor, you can't, you can't make it that dogmatic. Absolutely I can. Because scripture says that this is God. These commandments are God. What's in this book is how we live. Now, this makes people uncomfortable. Because nobody wants rules and regulations. They just want to do what they want and receive the blessings. Blessings. There's a problem in the church because the blessings aren't flowing. Because the church is not walking with God, they're visiting on Sundays. And we cannot, be, we cannot have visitation hours on the church. We have to live for God and come here to celebrate. We have to live for God and let Him do His greatest work throughout the week and then come here and tell everybody how good God is and bring others in so that they can hear about the goodness of God. You cannot just pick what you want out of his word, his commandments, or his promises. You receive those things because you believe. Yes, his promises, his commandments, and his blessings come out of your belief. They do not come just because you want it, but you must believe. And the time has come for you and I to stop searching for a word that that, for a word, and start believing that he has already given us his word. And if, that's, if he says it, that settles it to become not just hearers but doers. But once again, why are we not seeing it come to pass? Well, I figured it out. Praise God. So this morning, I want to preach to you a message I've entitled the big O. The big O. Pastor why why the big O? Well, I've realized that we're not walking in the fullness of God because of one word. Oppression. I never really understood that word. I've heard that word for a long time. And, and before you go, depression, and oppression, they're two totally different things. But I've heard that word, but I've never taken the time to really study what that word meant. And one day I was in here in prayer, and God led me to a certain scripture where it talks about oppression. And I went, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize this. Well, let me, let me give you the definition of oppression real fast. The word oppression means to lie heavily upon, to weigh down, to put down, subdue, or suppress to press upon or against or to crush. How many of you in this room have weight? Yeah. Come on. Some of y'all are not raising your hand. I'm going to point you out in a second because I know. You're like, I'm not raising my hand. I not want to admit it. I have weight. Hello. Yeah. So I'm going to try this again for all the rebellious people in the room that don't want to play along. How many of y'all in this room have weight? Just Amen. Amen. watch. Just watch, watch. How many people in here are hungry? It's amazing. You get hands when you say hungry, but you say wait. Uh-uh, no, I'm not raising my hand. No, you got stuff that's heavy. You got stuff you're dealing with. You got stuff you're going through. You got struggles. You got life in front of you. You got decisions to make. You got places to go, people to deal with. You got stuff. Come on, am I in the right room this morning? Okay, good. So it it talks about here, it says to lie heavily upon, to weigh down, to put down, subdue or suppress, to press upon or against to crush. And you go, Pastor, I, I I don't want any of that. But you have it. Because oppression is the thing that stops belief. You want me to prove it to you? Okay, okay, Pastor Dylan, come here. Malachi, come here. No, no, stand right there, stay right there. I hope this doesn't hurt you. Malachi, get on Dylan's back. Yeah, he's getting ready now. Okay, here we go. Now now, Pastor, he's kind of light. He clings on like a monkey. It's pretty epic. Okay. <laughs> And so, so here's, here's what I need you to do, though. I don't need you just to carry him, which is what most believers do. We just carry problems. Oh. No, so a problem. You're a problem right now. Amen. <laughs> Trust me, according to Dylan, you're a problem right now. But Dylan, what I need you to do is I need you to run around the building. Okay. No, no, no. And I didn't say walk. I said run. Ah. What, what are you waiting on? Oh, no, see, see, watch, 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 watch. He was going, are you serious? You really want me to do this? Because this is how our lives exist. We carry things we were never meant to carry. We allow things to attach to us that God never told us to pick up. There is only one thing that the Bible says for us to carry, and that is our cross. And why do we carry our cross? We carry our cross so that others might see the God we serve. Not so that they can say, man, they're weighed down and heavy laden and burdened. No, I'm carrying the thing that delivered me from Malachi. That was a joke. Y'all could have laughed right there. It was funny. Okay, you can put Malachi down. You're like, dear Lord, he's getting heavy now. So what happens now, now Dylan's like, ooh, ooh, watch this. Half your back problems are because you keep carrying stuff you never meant to put on your back. Watch, 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 watch. Posture is everything. Y'all know that, right? Posture is everything. And the, here's the thing. You can't posture yourself like this when you got monkeys hanging on you. And if, if you try to posture yourself like this with stuff hanging on your back, you will crumble under the pressure because light can't live where there's darkness. Hell can't live where there's and there has to come a point in time in our lives that we say, I'm stripping off every weight that so easily ensnares me. Because I understand I have a race to run. What Dylan should have said, and I know he was playing along with my sermon and he didn't want to take his own privy. But what he should have said was, get off. I got a race to run. But what we typically do is we go, well, it's on me. I guess I just got to carry it. That's oppression. That's oppression. Things that weigh us down. Things that cause us to think differently than the word. Things that cause us to believe differently than the word. And then we succumb to that space and we don't understand why we're not moving to the next level, to the next season. It's because, baby, you really don't believe what God said. You're hoping what God says will come to pass one day. But until then, I'll keep working rather than God work for me. Sit down. There comes a point where you've just got to say enough is enough. God, I'm yours, you're mine, and we're going to do this thing together. You're tired of carrying stuff. You're tired of feeling oppression. You're tired of carrying burdens. Then shrug them stupid things off and move. But this is this. Oh, I heard somebody say, this is God's judgment on me. Show me one time. I've been looking for it. I've been looking for it. If you love God, you believe in God. God does not put judgment on you to hurt you. God doesn't put things on you to cause pain in you. God wants to deliver you. You don't believe it? He sent Jesus. That's enough. Amen. Could you imagine if the church started walking in the deliverance of Jesus rather than the deliverance of themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll catch that one in a minute. Jesus died on the cross for me. To save me from what? Sin. To save, watch this, to save me from me. That's it. <laughs> That's right. He did that for me. When I start becoming me and not his, then what I've told him is the cross was in vain. When I live in him, I walk in all the blessings that he has in that word for me that was written before me. Okay, I'm getting revelation as we go. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now watch this. If the Bible says, if God, the word, before me, who? Y'all going to catch this in a minute. I'm going to shout loud and you're going to shout in a minute. Who? Who can be against me? If God's word is before me not my emotions, not my opinions. If God's word is before me, what oppression can get on me? Listen, can I help you with this? This is a covering on your shoulders so that when oppression, it just slips off. Oh, I couldn't grab a hold this morning. Why? Because the word's in him. Listen, the only reason oppression gets you is because your word's in you rather than his word is in you. Thy word hath I hid in my heart. Out Out of your heart shall flow rivers of living water. Why is it that we do not declare this thing yet? Why is it that we're not decreeing this thing yet? Why is it that we're not believing this? thing yet. When we really start to live according to this, everything changes. Can I help you some of you in this room go, pastor, I'm blessed. Walk in the fullness of the word and watch how blessed you really get. It's amazing to me how most people's idea of being blessed is based on their hard work rather than the fullness of God. I work hard, baby. I work really hard, but I let God be God and I enjoy it. And I watch the fullness of who he is. And i watch God's promises come true in my life. And when the doctor says something stupid, I watch God do something bigger. And I don't get afraid. I told my wife last night, I said, you know what? Years ago, I was afraid of dying. I was petrified of death. You want to know why I was petrified of death? Because mortality was in my hands and not his. You only have fear of something when God's not in control. When I took, when I took, my, when I took my faith back in that moment... The fear of death. Listen, I, I can't even explain to you. For 10, 11, 12 years, I had severe anxiety attacks just thinking about death. If I was watching a TV show and something would come across that somebody had died, immediately my mind would start going into the thought of non-existing. Here's the truth of it. The only reason you think about non-existing is because your existence is only found in you and not in the end in heaven. You don't have it. You don't think eternity. You think present. You stop thinking present when you live in this word because everything that I do is to get me to eternity, not to get me to this life. (sighs) We have a tendency to live under oppression, even as believers hoping that God will come rescue us. We throw ourselves into the ocean screaming for a life preserver, and when God throws it, we reject it because it wasn't the life preserver we wanted. But do you understand that Jesus has already overcome oppression? He's already overcome it. So why do you keep carrying it? You say, well, if you overcome it, why does it exist? Because God doesn't make you do anything. He allows you the ability to choose. Free will is still yours. You have the right to choose. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. He didn't say you will. He just says choose. Make a choice. It's either heaven or hell. That's the only two places you got to choose from. For some reason, we just keep putting it back on. Because it's easier to carry struggle because that's what limits us from succeeding. Watch, I gotta say, this is a sidebar. Once again, there's a lot in here that's not in my notes. The only reason that we do not succeed in what God has for us is because we keep putting the limitations of oppression on us because it is easier to tell people why we haven't succeeded. Rather than what we stripped off to succeed. It is easier to have a reason for failure. Than to have no excuses for failure. This is how we exist. If I have a reason. Okay, I'm going to use this. I'm, I'm losing weight right now. Praise the Lord. Amen for me. Praise God. My wife's amen in two from kids church. I'm losing weight right now. I can't go. God, touch my fat cells. Take all the fat out of my stomach right now. Make me healthy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you believe that somebody can come do that, you're, you're off your rocker. Because everything that's needed in this life requires labor. Okay? Jesus ju- God could have just snapped his fingers in heaven. Everybody's forgiven. But he knew... That in order to get to that place, he had to send Jesus for 32 years to walk the earth, to demonstrate God's love for his people, and then to go to a cross. And even though Jesus on the cross says, take this cup from me, he still knew that he had to finish the assignment, knowing that he had to, the assignment was unto what? Death. If you think that you're going to labor for a season and then receive all the reward, baby, this is a work in progress until you finish. This is something you stay in consistently, but you have to strip off the spirit of oppression. There is a story in the book of Zephaniah, and I'm going to get you to this one scripture in just a second. This is where we're going to be sitting at for the next few weeks on this one piece of scripture. It starts in the book of Zephaniah, and you can go read it later this week. But Judah has turned its back on God. It's begun to... Uh, live in a place of idolatry, excessive or blind adoration, reverence, or devotion. Uh, And I'm going to say this just as a sidebar. It's amazing to me how much idolatry is in the church today. He gets quiet real quick. Idolatry is very big in our culture today. Let me read you the definition one more time. Excessive or blind adoration, reverence, or devotion. Well, I want this because so-and-so's got this, or I want to look like so-and-so. I saw somebody post something the other day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up because I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was basically saying, I wanted to lose weight, and then I found out that, God, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made by God, so why should I change anything? <laughs> and although that's funny, there's a lot of truth to that statement. We change ourselves to match the world rather than change ourselves to match the word. We change ourselves so that the world will accept us rather than change ourselves so that God will receive us. We change ourselves so that the world will smile at us rather than we change ourselves so that God might bless us. We, we do it We do it because we want the, we want the right now uh, Burger King mentality, my way, right away. I'm going to get it for me right now. That's how we live our lives. I got to get my blessing. And when God doesn't give it, I'll go get it. Let me help you with something. Everything that you go get that God hasn't given will fall apart. I promise you. I promise you, the Bible even says the moth and the kegelworm will eat it up and destroy it. But for some reason, we keep trying to put our hands to the plow for our own right rather than for the kingdom, understanding that when we become kingdom workers, God's blessings just start to manifest in our lives. When we do it for God rather than for ourselves, the blessings that God has for us get released. How many of you understand that your blessings are nowhere compared to what God's are? And every blessing, the Bible says, every good thing comes from the Lord. Hello. But there's a story in Zephaniah, and Zephaniah begins to declare judgment, yes, he said judgment, over the people of Judah because of idolatry, because they began to to worship other idols. Can we just be honest for a second? If God did it in the Old Testament, don't you think he'll do it in the New Testament? The Bible says, as a commandment. Now, understand that when Jesus came, the Ten Commandments didn't die. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You go, but I'm not worshiping another God. Yeah, you are. Can, can I? Mm, Jesus. I'm trying to edit as I go. Father, help me. If you check somebody's Instagram profile more than you read your word, then you worship that person more than you worship God. Oh, sidebar. If you check your own Instagram to see how many likes you got, you worship yourself more than you worship God. Oh no! I'm trying to help you for a second. Let me, let me just say this to you: I'm, I'm really getting to a point of some righteous indignation, where it just says, "I'm just going to boycott all that foolishness because it's getting really stupid. Because people's lives are based by social media. Your success is not in social media. Somebody said, "Well, their church is a success by how many posts they make on Instagram." No, my success is found in the Lord. Not by what people see about me. I know who I am. I don't need somebody to confirm that I'm God's favorite. Yes, I'm God's favorite. Whether you like it or not, I am. You can be too. I'm just telling you what I know I am. God's a big God. He can have a lot of favorites. Amen. But I know who I am in Christ. I don't need to tell you what I ate today. I don't need to tell you what I went to. That I went to a movie last night. I don't need to tell you what vacation I went on. And you don't need to sit in your home of judgment and judge me based on where I went on vacation. Because my vacations are based on the goodness of God and the land of the living in my life because I live according to his purposes. I'm trying to help you all this morning. It's amazing to me how we think sometimes and we put oppression on ourselves and we carry things. It's like this when people go, they didn't respond to my text message. So what? They didn't want to talk to you. Is it really that serious? They didn't text me back. I text them. I don't know what to do now. I've got to keep checking my phone 45 times because I don't know what they're going to do. it text me. I wish we could go back to landlines and voice machines that had tapes in them. Yeah. If I call you back, it's because I choose to. But if I don't, you're not going to think I hate you. Yeah. He doesn't answer my phone call. Why didn't he answer my phone call? He must be angry with me. No, I'm not angry with you. I don't want to talk. <laughs> I just don't want to talk. That's why I hit the ignore button and sent you the voicemail. You're looking at me right now because some of you are if I've done that to you. I probably have. <laughs> Not because I hate you, but because I have time that I have to spend with my kids and my wife in prayer and resting. I know that sounds crazy, but I got to sleep sometime. But it's amazing when you don't do what the world wants you to do. They make assessments and put oppression on you. I'm free from it. If you want to be mad because I didn't talk to you. You obviously didn't consider the fact that when I go to pray, I pray for you. You probably didn't take into consideration that as your pastor, I don't quit. I just keep pursuing. And when I don't see you, I keep praying and I keep believing. And I keep telling God to bless you more than he blesses me. Why? Because I want to see his hand move in your life. I believe that this is what we must change in our own lives, we must break the spirit of oppression, that we won't hope that one day things will change, but every day we will live in that this is the day. Zephaniah chapter 3, and this is where I'm going to sit, and we're only going to deal with one of these today. You get anything out of this yet? Good. Good. This is Zephaniah declaring in chapter three. Now, in in chapter two, he gave them an opportunity for repentance. And now in chapter three, he's declaring what Judah has become. And he says this to the oppressing city. I love how he says that. And I've looked in four different uh, translations, and it says the same word. It talks about oppression to the oppressed city, to the weighed down city. Okay? This is what it says She has not obeyed his voice, she has not received correction. She has not trusted the Lord, and she has not drawn near to her God. And when I read this, this is what God said to me. He said, these are the four steps to breaking oppression in your life. And if you live in these four steps, you'll never carry another weight in this existence. And when God started telling me that, this is what he told me. You won't carry heart conditions. You won't carry pain in your body. You will walk in the fullness the way I created you when you live according to this. This is how you will break the spirit of oppression. So I want to deal with the first one obeying his voice. Now, obedience is a bad term because nobody wants to be obedient outside of their own wants. Who wants to be obedient to someone else's declaration, someone else's rules, someone else's government? Who wants to do that? I want to I do what I want to do. You're not going to tell me what I want to do. That's why most people don't live in deed-restricted communities because they want to build on their house what they want to do. They want to add to the yard when they want to, and they don't want anybody to tell them anything differently. Let me give you the word Obedience means to submit or conform in action to. To submit. Now, the word submit in the Greek means to duck, means to get out the way. In other words, if I am living in obedience to God, I'm allowing God to be God and not me becoming God. I'm allowing Him to be my first and last, my banner of victory. My, 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 my fighter, he says, the battle's not mine. So he becomes the fighter in the middle of my fight. I allow God to become God. I stop worrying what the doctors say, and I trust in what the word says. Now, it doesn't mean I don't go see a doctor. I still see a doctor. I'll be seeing a doctor in two weeks. I still see a doctor. But when the doctor doesn't give me the favorable report that I wanted to hear, it doesn't mean that I walk out and start picking out funeral plots. It means I walk out and said, that's the report of a man, but God, I hold a Bible that's bigger and older than he is and has been declaring word over me a lot longer than this. So I'm going to walk in the fullness of the word. I'm not going to walk to what man says. I'm going to trust you. Let me help you with something. When I adhere to a man's opinion, then I walk in the promise of that man. But when I hold according to the word, it doesn't matter what man says over me. I now walk in the fullness. The Bible says that by his stripes, which were paid at Calvary, were for my healing in my heart. And so I know that it might not have come to fruition yet, but it is just a matter of time. And let me take just a little bit more of a sidebar here. That if it does not happen while I'm breathing on this earth, the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. If God chooses to take me home, that was his plan. The enemy didn't take me. God received me. It was my time. I was done. This heart stops beating, and I go see Jesus, and you keep carrying on. I was, I was watching. Well, I can't say that because some of y'all haven't seen it yet, and I don't want to spoil it for you. Amen. I won't say that. Amen. Um, I was going to talk about the Avengers movie, but I can't say that because y'all are like, don't say it. Don't say it. Because everybody's like, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so I won't say it. Amen. I'll do it at the end of the series. Amen. That'll give you reason to come back. Amen. If you don't see it in four weeks, I can't help you. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to give you a scripture real fast. I, 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 I got to give these to you because I need you to understand what the scripture says about this. In Romans chapter six, 2, verse 6, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read this for you, read this to you for context sake. It says, He will judge everyone according to what they've done. Yeah. Did you hear that? Did, did you hear that? Yeah. But it's not works that saves me. What does your word just say? He will judge everyone by the works that they've done. Sitting in church doesn't get you to heaven, baby. It doesn't. He says right there in Romans, which is New Testament text, under grace, not under law. He, God, will judge everyone according to what they have done here. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Another translation says eternity or the eternal promise. But he will... Here it comes. Ah, I don't want to read this part because we want to stop at verse 7 and go, Look what God's going to do for me. There's always the other side of the coin. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves. I'm going to have to go sit down on here. Who refuse to obey what? What's the truth? Not just that you get salvation. But the whole thing. But those who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. Pastor, don't say that. Don't say it. Why? That's what your word says. If you have a hard time receiving that, you probably have a hard time receiving God. Yeah. I don't want to get stuck on a bad, but I need us to understand some stuff. He will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves. Can I just say this? I've lived for myself at moments. Yeah. 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 Anybody, anybody want to join my club? You join my club for a second? Come on, just join my club. God's not going to strike you down with lightning because you lifted your hand. God, that's me. I've done, I've done that. I've lived for myself at moments. And he says, and for those who refuse to obey. Why is it that believers only obey the portions that they want to obey rather than the fullness of the word? (laughs) That's like getting to heaven, looking at the gates, but you don't have a key to get in. God, I did. Look what I did. God said, yeah, but you only obeyed portions that benefited you when you wanted it. You didn't obey just because you loved me. You had right relationship with me. That's what true obedience is, birthed out of right relationship. It's not birthed out of a fear of God, it's birthed out of right relationship. The more I'm relationship with God, the greater my obedience becomes. When people first get saved, the obedience level is not that strong. There's more argument. Well, Adam, does he really want me to? Oh God, no, don't want to do that. No, I gotta give up that too. And then when you start getting that greater relationship, you start going, I don't want that. I don't want that. Oh God, you want me to give up that? Not a problem. Because you'd rather the relationship than the struggle. You'd rather the relationship than the oppression. (laughs) Let me give you another one. I'm just going to give you a few. 1 Peter chapter 1. Because if I give you scripture, you can't argue with me. Amen? Amen. If I give you my thoughts, you can argue with me. 1 Peter, you can't argue with So you must live as God's Obedient. obedient children. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. I'm trying. I'm trying to be nice this morning. He says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. He says, you didn't know any better then, but you do now. It becomes a willingness to go back to a former life and then still keep declaring God. And the Bible says this, that if we return back to our old ways of life, then the cross has now become in vain. You cannot claim the power, the redemptive power of the cross if you choose to live in sin and not live under the promise that the cross brings. See, people don't want to hear this anymore. We just want to hear about blessings and God's going to do it. He will when you straighten up. When you walk as obedient Believers, can I ask you a question? And this is, a, this is the conversation my wife and I had because every time I got to preach, this always, conversation between my wife always comes. And I said, baby, I said, why do our kids obey us? And my wife said, because if they don't. <laughs> right. And I said, amen. <laughs> and I said, but the problem with that is, is that when they're obedient out of fear, there is no blessing. Watch, because if they only respond because they're afraid of what I might do, if they're not obedient, then my heart is not touched enough to be a blessing in their life. I just live under the strict rules of obey me now, and that is not how God operates. God says, be obedient, and then watch what I do. The Bible says, if your earthly father wants to bestow blessings upon you, how much more does your heavenly father want to bestow heavenly blessings upon you? I would much rather those blessings, but that there is a requirement of obedience. This is where that statement in my family with all of my kids, if you ask any, well, except for Asher. Asher's still learning it. But the statement that we make, if you go to any of my older kids, ask them. Obedience brings it. They'll tell you blessings every time. That's where I got that scripture from. Where I got that statement from is out of scripture because I wanted them to walk and understand that when you're obedient to the voice of God, to the word of God, to his commandments, there is commanded blessing that always happens. I said, baby, what happens if you don't have to ask Judah and Hope to clean up their room? They just do it. And then you go to the store this afternoon and they go, dad, mom, can we get a toy? You're like, oh, yes. Yes, we can. Even if there's not enough money, we're going to find money. We're going we're gonna to find change. We're going to find something. We'll find a way. You're going to be blessed because you just did it out of right relationship. Can I just say this to you? I have a feeling in the church right now that we are more responsive to God based out of fear and not receiving eternity rather than out of right relationship. What if eternity didn't exist? Would you still serve God? What if there was no eternity? What if there was no after this? What if this was it and you just had to live with God here? Would you still serve him? No, I just serve him because I'm going to have a party after this is over. And I'm too afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die, but I'm going to get God now. I'm not going to wait till it's over. But I have to live in the obedience of God. Don't slip back into your old ways. When God pulls you out of your stuff, don't think you got strong enough to go back. That stuff almost killed you once already. You're not that big. You're not that bad. Stop trying to be tough. Let God solve those things and then walk in the newness of life that He has for you so that you can be filled with everything He has. Stop trying to fight again. It's like people go, Well, you know, God, I was, well, I'll just use this one. I was, I was an alcoholic. And then I got delivered. Yeah, but you drink now. Well, yeah, I'm I'm good now. No, you're not. Because you're gonna get back into the same old stuff. No, I'm stronger now. How much do you pray? Well, like, you know, when I got first got saved, I prayed all the time. But, you know, now, it's, man, it's really tough to find time. I mean, I just got so many things going on. I got so many things happening in my life. I just, you know, I'm working at it. You know, God, they say I'm a, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Sidebar. Can we please stop saying that? Because the only reason we say that is because we keep prolonging God changing us. God, not yet. Not yet. I'm not ready to give this up yet. I'm not ready to walk away from this. I know you want it, but I'm not ready to quit yet. I'm not ready to give you my whole life. I just want to give you a piece of my life. Can I help you with this? The requirements for heaven is a whole life, not a part of your life. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not laid hands on the sick in your name? Yes, you have. But depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I, I never knew you. How did I not know you? Because we never had relationship. You can't claim me without relationship. My kids can't claim Tiffany as their mother without relationship. That's not a title, it's just not given. A title is earned. And when there is relationship, then my wife has a desire to be that mother. But some kid off the street's not gonna walk into my house and go, mommy, and her she responds with son. She's gonna be like, Who are you? Where do you live? Go to your house, eat their food. Amen. Because that's what happens sometimes is that we just assume responsibilities. We assume positions. We assume titles without obedience. And we wonder why we're not even walking in the fullness of God yet. Yeah. Let me give you one more scripture and this is where I'll close. Pastor Ben, come on. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. If you fully obey. Holy cow. Ah, God, why did you have to put fully? Just put obey. No, if you. Obviously, he felt like he needed to get that apart, a point across. Not partially obey, but fully obey the Lord. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep what? I should have underlined these in the text. All of his commandments. That I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. You want blessings in your life? Then be obedient. And I'm not talking about to what you want and not to your Sunday church attendance, but your life to God. This is what he says in verse 3. This is what gets me excited. This is why I love being obedient to when he speaks to me. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds, that means my children's children, will be blessed. Your fruit basket and your bread boards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. Out of what? Obedience. Whatever you have in your life, I'm going to tell you this right now. Without obedience, you have not experienced everything God has for you. But if we choose every day, choose, make a righteous decision to say, God, today I'm going to live in obedience with you. Whatever you speak, I'll say yes to God says the commanded blessing is then upon you. My wife and I were sitting in the bed last night. We were talking about this together. And it's literally spawned a 45-minute conversation. And I had to stop because I'm like, I feel like I'm preaching at you, babe. She's like, no, you're not. We're just talking. This is good stuff. But I was challenging her in some areas. And I was just saying, I get sometimes that we have a decision or a thought process to say, well, you know, I'll be obedient in this area. But God's not that tough on these areas why wouldn't he be okay if you're a dad in the room and you had kids or have kids do you have rules why for your own sake or for theirs to get them to a future for i know the plans i have for you says the lord I know the guidelines that I've set not for my own benefit but for your hope and for your future. To see you come to an expected end. Not for you to exist to make necessarily just to make me look great but for you to look great in my kingdom. I want to I want you to be my trophy on my mantle. So listen, I got some plans, but I got some structure in this too and I'm asking that you be obedient because I'm going to help you with something you cannot Walk in the plans of God without obedience. See, every, every, every time we start talking about this, the, the church gets weird because, but, but God, Pastor, why are you making God so? Because what we've done is we've re- rewritten God's handbook. The church has single-handedly rewritten God's handbook. We've made God a sissy. I'm just going to say it. I'm just being honest. We've turned God into a pansy. One that we he doesn't deserve our highest. He just deserves something in the middle. Do you remember what God saved you from? And the crazy thing is, did he have to? No. But he chose to. And we want to get out from oppression. Well, here's how you're going to start breaking it this week. Father, whatever your word says, I'll do it. I'll live according to it. This makes you unpopular. I'm just gonna tell you straight up. People around you cussing, ask them to quit. Not because you're trying to be judgmental, but because that changes how you talk. The more you're around something, the more you talk. And I talk to people, I've talked to people over the years and said, Pastor, I, I struggle with cursing. I said, Well, what do you do for a living? I find out what they do for a living. I said, Oh, I get it now. well, like, how do you change it? How do you change it? I said, the way I did years ago, I walked up to a gentleman who was cussing like a sailor, and I said, Hey, listen, man, I get it. You like to cuss or curse, however you say it. I said, cuss. I said, you cuss. And I said, and, and I can't change you. I said, but here's what I would ask. I'm going to ask that when I'm around you, don't do that. He goes, why? Are you one of those religious people? I said, yes. I said, I love God, and I used to curse just like you. I used to say bad words just like you. I used to slip out the house and say all kinds of words and then get in trouble for it later. I said, but I changed. When God saved me, he changed something in me. My vocabulary changed. When I really let him save me, not when I played church and kept running to an altar weekend after weekend after weekend. When I really let God change me, I said, I stopped cursing. And I said, So I'm just asking to help me out. I'm asking you to stop. He goes, I can respect that. And I told the story before, but the next night we went into work, he walked, pulled the whole team around. And he said, Hey guys, listen, from now on, there's a no cursing rule here at the job. And I just looked at him. And we, they all walked away, and I let him. I said, Why? He goes, You're right. I don't need to talk like that. I didn't have to change him. I just had to be a pillar in the middle of the storm. Because that's my word says. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Don't let anything I say defile who you are and what you've been in my life. That's just one area, guys. That's just one area in our lives that we just have to really challenge. Are you willing to crucify the flesh? Or ask God to keep just crucifying your mistakes? I want to live in the fullness of the Word. And I'm going to break the spirit of oppression. And you can too, but we first have to start by being obedient to God. Everybody stand to your feet.